Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. Kane is in the building. Hey, what's up? It's Jordan here with Clocked In. I am here and I do Edwards Consulting. I run Edwards Consulting. It's a one-on-one personal development and personal finance company where we help individuals become the best versions of themselves. Today, I'm sitting down with Mikhail Reese. He um, is going to give us some perspective on the current situation that we have at this moment, and I'm really excited to introduce him. So, Mikhail, here. Jordan, appreciate you having me on, and he forgot to mention we're actually friends. I'm actually, I actually know this guy, and yeah, let's get into it. But yeah, my name is Mikhail Reese, and I've been living in Tampa essentially my whole life. I'm 26. I was born in Jamaica, however. I'm a a Jamaican immigrant, came here when I was three. My mom married a, a guy from Chicago. And through that marriage, we got our citizenship. And that's important, as you'll see later on, just in my life, uh, why, you know, being a citizen, you get a, a lot more opportunities in this country. Uh, there's a lot less hassle to do things. Uh, but yeah, I, I grew up, I'd say, lower class. I wasn't ever dependent on the government. My mom, she never made more than 40K. And this is in Florida. So, you know, you can actually kind of get by with that if you're not doing stupid shit, right? Um, but a great woman. And it, it, it was a, a weird time for me. And this, race is going to be pretty central to this conversation. But, uh, you know, growing up here in Tampa, it's kind of a melting pot. Uh, there's... A lot of athletes here, a lot of athletes stay here. So that that is important in regards to like minorities having money. You actually see quite a few athletes and their children around here. Um, a lot of Bucks players, they stay. Tony Dungy, 
lot of people know him. He eventually had went to the Colts, but his family stayed back. And that that is very important into this conversation because I one of the big parts of our current status as a nation is the fact that not many people talk that are different races. Everyone gets an understanding of another race from television and the media. And if we know anything about that <laughs> over the last few years, everything is clickbait because they get paid on it and they need it to be something that invokes emotion. So uh, that's why you'll see a lot of race baiting on all these different media outlets. The flip side of it is in areas like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay isn't perfect, but it's people talk that are different races. You'll have wealthy people from North Tampa that come down to South Tampa. There's wealthy people in South Tampa. But a lot of parts of Tampa, like West Tampa, is historically Hispanic. A lot of Cubans. Um, Nucio, near Progress Village, that's where a lot of black folks live. And that's a little bit, to, a little bit outside of Tampa. But there's lots of parts of the Tampa city limits that has a lot of black people. Um, especially around UT, that used to be a big project. Um, there's a lot of projects around there. And now it's being remodeled. So just like a quick history about Tampa, it's, you know, it's had its struggles. There's people that are in the Klan within 25 miles from here. Uh, They're not, it's not a huge, you know, there's, it's not a huge gathering. It's not like a place like Alabama or anything, but there still is a little bit of everything around this area. And Tampa also is a commuter city. A lot of people come here that aren't from here. So that uh, adds to the situation as well. And um, so I kind of have a different different perspective around race compared to other, I'd say, black black folks, um, especially people that are from the USA. Um, You know, my mom, she only had two sons. And although she married my stepdad, they eventually got divorced when I was around 10 or 11. And uh, that was when I started getting a, a bit uh, a bit bigger. I'm 6'5", like 270 now. I'm a bigger guy. And one of the conversations she had early in my life was uh, making sure that I didn't run when it got dark. And And by that, I mean... I was very, I ended up playing football in college at Yale. I was very blessed. Uh, my, my mom was a stickler for getting good grades, and I was just very competitive. And I really wanted to play football. And eventually it got me to go to, you know, it gave me an avenue to go play football at Yale and change my life. And, uh, but before I got there, I was really committed and I wanted to jog every night. You know, after school, right, it's, it's middle school, and everything, you get out, um, you get out kind of later in middle school in Tampa, like around four. So, you know, maybe you can do some homework, play some video games, and it's like six, six thirty. Certain times of year, it's getting dark. My mom used to say, "Mikael, you don't go jogging, not now." And I used to wonder why. I used to ask her why. I was like, "Nothing's going to happen to me." She said, "There's some cops out there that could have reasonable doubt," and. 
they could they could say that if there was a robbery, he looks like a suspect. And that was something that early on I realized there is a different experience. Um, it was funny because I grew up being one of the smarter kids in class. And by default, I was accepted by the majority, you know, white kids that had a lot of support and parental guidance in the scholastic system. So I was accepted by them, but I, I didn't really do any of the activities they could do. Like I, we never went to Disney. We never went to the theme parks. We never could afford it. Um, a, a weekend for us was usually playing video games. My mom didn't want us to go outside that much. She didn't trust the world outside. So, you know, we used to live in apartment complexes and we, you know, play around the neighborhood. But, it, you know, as soon as it got dark, we had to be in. But that was the average weekend. Um, and, you know, I, I, I figured out soon that, you know, one of the things I had in common with a lot of kids was video games. A lot of kids, our generation played video games. I, I would connect on that. And it's funny, my actual go-to line in school when I wanted to make a friend is, do you play video games? And from there, we would strike up a conversation. If they said no, you, you know, you could just talk about something else. But if you said yes, there, immediately there's something to talk about. And I'm in sales now, and it's funny because that, that, that question to lead in is so important just to break down barriers and have someone to speak with, you know, to speak with you honestly and feel like they can somehow confide something in you or connect with you in some way. Um, but, uh, so with the white kids, it was, you know, I was, uh, I mean, most of my life I felt like I was the smartest kid in class and my grades reflected it. And it, that, that was, I was one of the few kids, you know, few black kids like that. Um, also was, I liked to play and I was competitive and I was just as athletic as all the black kids in class. And with that, I got acceptance from them. So when we went outside to play, have recess, play tag, play flag football, I was one of the top performers. So, um, you know, because of good genes, being competitive, I got I had a very weird spot in the middle of the racial spectrum. And it was, oddly enough, still valued by each end of it. And that gave me a lot of insight, especially being from another country and seeing some of the concepts that were taught and and actually experienced and lived through this that you know i i got to understand almost how to be a politician very early how to say the right things at the right time be accepted be valued um people always say i value your opinion mikhail and that was because i knew the pain points of all different like not all different groups but a lot of different groups of people so I could relate in some way, some way or fashion. And one of the conclusions I gathered really early is that we're much more similar than people think. Um, that's why I, I started this talking about, you know, the, the isolation, the racial isolation and not speaking to other groups of people. That's the biggest hindrance to our, our growth as a nation. If people just talk to each other and realize Wow, I like ham sandwiches with mustard too. Just like some redneck down the street, and you're from the hood. That's something that you guys can connect on, right? Um, but unfortunately, the invisible hand and the market. The the thing about 
some forms of the thing about capitalism is you're not going to get anyone to buy or move or invoke any action unless someone is emotionally invested in getting a different result than they had before. You can see, you think about the example of seeing the women's magazines. There's always some fad diet talking about you can lose 10 pounds in a week or 10 pounds in two weeks, five pounds by this new diet because society and a lot of the big corporations, they know that women are very self-conscious about how they look. Uh, from an early age, that is one of the biggest ways of validation is, oh, she's so beautiful. She's so pretty. She's this. And corporations understand that. Um, and they push those buttons continuously. People aren't going to buy or spend any money if there isn't something that makes them say, whoa, what is this? And that's just a natural human phenomenon. Um, I, it's like a negative cognitive bias, something like that is the, the term in psychology. And basically, we pay attention to negative news more than positive news. So that is that plays its part in everything that we see, man. Social media, the actual media outlets, the uh, you know newspapers, how people how people view a situation. Uh, if you see if you see some people you don't recognize in the yard that are black, your mind immediately because of fight or flight and fear being the initial emotion in most situations, you go and judge and think, oh, these guys must be some criminals. I need to be more wary. I need to be more vigilant. And the communication is out the door at that point. And that's when you hear people calling the cops unnecessarily. My neighbor, actually, that happened two weeks ago, he calls me because he was away and asked me to check it out, see if someone was robbing his house. I'm no cop. And I literally have to sit there and think, okay, if these guys are actual thieves or robbers, they may be packing some gun. But he was insisting that I go check it out because he saw some people snooping under his doormat, looking over his little side fence. We're in townhomes, so there's like a little fenced area in between each of them. He calls me like, I'm the police. I mean, I just went to go check it out because I thought that more than likely nothing was happening. It's the middle of the day. They weren't trying to force themselves in the house. I go out there and it turns out the guys are just looking for an Airbnb. But because of how Google Maps is set up, the other side of the street is where the Airbnb was. But the Google Maps doesn't consider that back road that it's on. So it was just a misunderstanding that was easily fixed by going to talk to somebody and not having that type of racist, uh, presumptive outlook. And, and I don't think our, our society equips us to communicate that well because it's a, it's a difficult thing and it's uncomfortable. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've always kind of been a, an in-betweener, kind of too white for the black kids, too black for the white kids. However, I found I, I had a little bit of a politician in me and, you know, I was well-liked. Like, uh, I didn't win Homecoming King. I, I got second. And I know it sounds a little braggadocious, but I'm just telling you facts at this point. This is not, this is not, not making anything up. But I got the most votes for the most nominations for to be on the homecoming court. So I thought that was the true, the true sign of like, you know, I was well-respected. A lot of people liked me. 
And I, and I didn't do it through bullying and fucking people over. I was just really tried to talk to everybody like they're a human being. Um, yeah, that's, so, yeah, yeah, no, that was an awesome intro. I love that. Um, so I kind of want to catch everyone up to where we're at today. So essentially the reason for this conversation is the event that occurred was on May 25th, 2020, George Floyd, a 46 year old black man died in Minneapolis, Minnesota after Derek Chauvin, a white police officer pressed his knee to Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes while Floyd was handcuffed face down to the street. Two other officers further restrained Floyd and another stood by and prevented onlookers from intervening. During the last three minutes, Floyd was motionless and had no pulse, but officers made no attempt to revive him. Floyd was pronounced dead at a nearby hospital. So this event that occurred ended up causing a whirlwind of activities to happen. It got trending everywhere, and because we're a very social media nation, and then it pretty much produced protest in all 50 states of the United States of America. And it started to spread over even around the world. Uh, President Trump has given a speech about George Floyd. We've all heard about it. It's very prevalent today. So I ask you, Mikhail, what is your view on this situation at hand? Is it being, is the protest the correct way to go about it? And we'll just kind of start that way. I believe 100% the protest is the way to go. Here's the thing, and this is the important thing. And being that in-betweener, I, I, I've, got, I've seen situations where a, a, a black person that has been a victim of something has explained their experience and what has happened by a white receiver of information another white person is they they disqualify their experience by saying by either blaming the black person on their behavior saying oh somehow it's your fault that you did this you should have been doing x so that is a result that you you get or um just not even believing them and so Someone can listen to your story, hear all your words. No, someone can hear your story, hear all your words, but doesn't actually listen to what you're saying because they already have in their mind that they, I don't believe this is credible, as if this person is delusional, mentally crazy, right? And that has been a very common theme. Now, people wonder if racism is getting worse, and, are, and people are wondering if, you know, people are just getting worse. And my mom always used to say, there's nothing new under the sun. And I also believe that people, like I said, people aren't as different as you think. There's a lot of similarities. We all have a similar, we want to be around people we love, eat good food, have a good time, right? And take care of our families. That's really the basic human needs. And, you know, with... With that experience in the black community, uh, we essentially feel helpless uh, because we'll talk about something. And this, this is even when you're, one of, when you're a, a very obedient citizen, a black kid in the hood, you call the cops. They don't come 
in a jiffy. They don't report there soon. They a lot of times they don't believe you. There was a photo circulating right now about this little kid hugging this cop from a few years ago, and he's crying. And it was a it was a beacon of hope, an image that was instilled in us, and it was over social media. And the backstory is he was actually adopted by these uh, two white mothers that used to abuse them and beat them and starve them, these six kids. And multiple times these kids told authorities what was happening to them, and that happened in a similar situation. These kids eventually were drove off a cliff because both of the white mothers were crazy, and they killed all of them. Um, so the two white mothers and the six adopted children. And that is a testimony of the, the white authorities not believing the black experience. And I brought that up to illustrate how protest is actually a great way to go because that's when people listen. We live in a country of the mighty dollar. And when the mighty dollar is affected, right, when people can't go to work, people are blocking traffic, when stores, I, I don't, I really don't believe in looting small owned business. I, not that I condone looting a Target or a Walmart or a big corporation, but they have resources to rebuild and they, they have big, big baskets of money and reservoirs that they can, they can get back on their feet. A small family-owned business, I think, should have been out of the question. Uh, the looters that are going for the... And I'm not calling for you know a dystopia and people to just completely fuck up a target. But if there was people that are angry and are like, I need to break some shit today, do it to a big, a big corporation, not a, a small family-owned. Because now you're affecting bunch of minority owned places um, and and some you know and white folks that own some small business that are working their butt off too just really good you know good American citizens I don't know their actual morals and their character they may be slimy in a way but they don't really have the resources to get back on their feet and I, I think that's where I stand regarding the protests um, now the one of the main things is uh, you know the, everyone claims to be a an authority on how this message should be portrayed, how this message should be done effectively. And I think that's just a cop-out to forget about the real message, and that is we're tired of some of police getting off scot-free for fucking people up. And I, I respect policemen. I respect good policemen that are tr truly out there to protect and serve because a majority of them are. I don't know the percentage. I, it's probably over 90%. But on the same, in the same vein, that's bullshit that they, they, everyone knows in a precinct who's the guy that has the most amount of, uh, of reports against them. That is just very violent. That probably has a, probably had a fucked up life in some way, but is still keeping his badge. And there's a, there's a, a silence rule within it. And, and when the cops do speak up, they usually get fired or suspended, right? And I just don't understand the utility of that. Because uh, uh, essentially, they're operating like a gang. And 
if you're to protect and serve, why are you chasing? Why are you encouraging that type of behavior, right? Because um, when you're so, when a bit, when a little kid isn't reprimanded for punching somebody, he thinks that's he thinks that behavior is okay. And if you're a parent with four kids and you don't reprimand one of the kids for punching another, all of them are going to start punching each other, and then it's just going to be a cycle of violence. But a good parent makes an example of that situation and reprimands a kid and tells him that's not how you do things. You sit them down and you figure out where that anger is coming from. Now, not everyone's great parents, and I'm sure a lot of people have been through some shit. So it, it, it's difficult, especially with the nature of being a cop. Um, you you got to deal with a lot of bullshit. But at the same time, you know, people that work customer service at, at McDonald's aren't killing people. And they get a lot of bullshit, too. People that work customer service at Walmart, you know, it's not the same degree, right? But in terms of the, the, the amount of disrespect they get, it's, I mean, it's, it's probably closer than we think. So I, I, to summarize, the, the protests and, and, and at this time, literally earlier today, they bumped up his charge to second degree murder and third degree manslaughter. And also arrested the other three cops. Um, uh, in, in Minnesota, there was a lot of divestment from the police force. The, the public schools ended a contract with the police, with the, with the Minneapolis police, police force, something like that. But basically, the dollars were being affected and, and change occurred. Now, it's unfortunate that's how it has to work in this country. But the dollar is king. The dollar is God, right? Football, you know, American football uh, is close to my heart. But these guys are getting fucked up beyond belief. And they get paid tons of money. And the sport took over Sunday, which was formerly dominated by church. um, All because of the dollar. And uh, if that doesn't illustrate how powerful it is in America, then I think you're, you're, you're grossly mistaken. And how things work. But um, earlier, Jordan, you'd asked me a question about how do we stop racism or end racism? Um, that That's something that, uh, first of all, is not going to happen in our lifetime, nor our children or grandchildren, maybe their children, right? Because racism is a, a almost an innate human bias. Uh, but here's the thing. We're an, an, we are, are too far advance of a society to let that type of primitive judgment dictate how our entire society society operates in my opinion uh it's uh, it's lazy a lot of it is just based on and this is my opinion just on the american system we are so encouraged and expected to produce in whatever profession that we're in in this country that it would actually take away from the productivity of our country to deal with racism. Now, if we wanted, if we actually threw a lot of money at it, it would, it would, we could get to the point where we could curtail some racism. But I think racism is so strong here because one of our history, but two, 
like I said, it's a very complex system that governs the United States. And and it's what the you know, our system is based off of racism. So it's not something that will completely just disappear with like a policy, because there's gonna be people that are against the policy. There's a bunch of laws that to this day people don't agree with. Um, and there and there's some people that are gonna be okay with it. But I think it takes steps. I mean the first step and the first vehicle that I think racism is most obviously exploited is the you know the police force the the military militarization of police so yeah so i bring to you and i ask you is first why was this the trigger event because there have been similar instances in the past and then the follow-up question would be is this the blacks versus police because i've i've heard that instance and I'm just curious on your opinion there. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, why did this trigger more than yeah, other Yeah, the events? George Floyd. So, George Floyd, when you get an agitated person that didn't get a lot of sleep and you le- yell at them in the morning, how do you people usually react? I'm asking you this, Jordan. When someone's agitated, didn't get much sleep, and then someone yells at them in the morning, what's going to happen? They're quick to go. They're right. they're quick. Yeah. They're going to light up. Yeah. And now that's a microcosm of people, of groups of people. Now, we're in a time where a lot of people are out of work. A lot of people have time to consume the information. So people are already kind of stressed out. They're, they're, they're trying to figure out how to pay their bills. Um, but they're also, some people just, oh, there's no work for them, right? So there's a lot of people that, and and this is also disproportionately affecting black people. Uh, they a lot of black people have the lower end jobs that most people don't want. Um, like a lot of uh, most of middle class white America still is working. Some have gotten laid off, but they you know they usually have higher, more skilled more skilled labor. Uh, it, so the, the the higher skilled labor is still working these companies because. They they need they need those you know those VPs the the management and the 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 core performers in their companies to still work so that it stays afloat. But you know if you're going to cut some of the custodians, you know delivery drivers. Well, that's a bad example today because delivery drivers are needed more than anything. But uh, you know retail, bars, service industry, uh, tourists tourist attractions that's a lot of that is dominated by brown brown and black people minorities so the group that that gets fucked up by the cops the most is essentially sitting on the ass right now um and then on top of that the nature of the 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 actual incident where this guy casually and calmly suffocated this man by putting his knee on his neck um, the fact that he had, he, he didn't show any, he didn't show any agitation, George Floyd. He seemed very calm and compliant and 
you look at the videos, it seemed like there's beat they're beating his ass in the car and then took him out and laid him down and he was already subdued and they he just sat on his neck. Uh that you know, that was a slow lynching. That was extremely just that was inhumane, man. That that I mean, I think if I saw here's the thing about America that's crazy. Because dogs are so central to happiness in the American household, like you know how I said earlier, uh, uh, racism is hard to deal with because there's no quick fix. Um, being in a, you know being in society, most people would go crazy if there wasn't something like a family dog, something that didn't give you any lip, just loves you unconditionally, excited every time you see it. Just a switch up from the average human being that got some opinion that you don't give a fuck about, um, and you know people judging you and people maybe trying to m- manipulate you, and you just get tired of dealing with other human beings, right? So I can understand why the dog is so loved in American society. I'm from Jamaica, where it isn't as loved. It's you know we don't fucking murder dogs or anything, but uh, you know dogs—they're really not pets. They're just animals that are around, and some of them just stay by your yard. And you give them your leftover food, and then they protect your, your protect your yard. That's how dogs are in Jamaica. Now in America, they're essential family members that that you know. There's a funeral when they die, all that stuff. So, if a dog was if a, a cop kneed on a dog's neck and killed him, it, the the country would go wild. And why is that? They can associate with a dog. A lot of Americans cannot have an, a positive association with the dog. Now, that is similar, and I hate to fucking compare a dog and a black person, but it seems like in this country, dogs have more value than black people. But the, the people that are racist that run into a black person and they meet them on a personal level and realize they're just regular people, it's a similar thing. They have a positive association with a black person, and now they begin to say they begin to see the light and understand, like, damn, they they really do get treated worse. It seems like whenever they go to court, they get harsher sentences. That's a fact. It seems you know when whenever there, there's an inter whenever there's police violence, more than likely it's against a minority and a and black people, and. You have this entire community that understands these concepts sitting on their ass and they're like, yo, fuck this. We're going out. So that's why it was so triggering. Um, and to add on top of that, you know, our country wrote like a, essentially a blank check for $2.5 trillion when, when all these big corporations that have been making money for 20, 30, 40 years, airlines, big box retailers insurance companies, all these folks, and the government bails them out, but the crack, the crack, um, you know, the crack in the 80s, fucking up the black, the black, uh, the poor black neighborhoods, the opioid crisis today, right? Big Pharma has has not been held accountable for that at all, right? Um, And so people understand the fact that there's been people that are struggling for years, decades, entire families have been fucked up. The country has the ability to actually write a check. It's just that they don't see the value in helping the, the lower class. 
and all those good things combined. Yeah, that that's why everyone's outside. Um, and what was the second question you asked? I may have answered it, but you asked why why is this triggering? And why was that the triggering event? And then oh, and then the second question was you mentioned multiple times that it's black people versus you not you haven't mentioned it but it's been mentioned in the news and mm-hmm. a lot of people are discussing it that it's black people versus the cops yeah and that's been discussed in this topic but do you think that's what the actual issue is so here here is how so being black and not having money is intimately related because for obvious reasons, we weren't even allowed to amass wealth. Like our, the first jobs here weren't jobs. It was slavery, right? So back a few generations, right? Um, their work was being done. It's just that there was no pay. And then after slavery, the only the, the lower lowest available slots were given to blacks. Unless you were exceptional, right? The, there, 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 the, there's always a story about, oh, well... This athlete makes this much, and oh, there's this one black CEO here, and oh, there's this one guy. And those people are exceptional at their jobs. A lot of times, best in their fields. That's the only reason why they're there, because they can produce at rates that are much higher than the average white counterpart. Um, But that doesn't represent the entire group. The entire group doesn't really get access to to the resources that is necessary to be, to, to qualify for the job. And, and, uh, so with, with black people not being able to qualify for the job, not have the resources to even get educated, um, you know, they, they came out with the, uh, what's the thing with the college, uh, to give, to give black people essentially a spot, um, in the admissions. Oh, where it's equal opportunity for everyone. Um, I I, I I don't know the name, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Where. So, you have to have a certain amount of white people, a certain amount of black people, a certain yeah. amount of Asian people, yeah. and different ethnicities. Yeah. So basically, it's equal opportunity for all. Right. So that you know, that's a gloss over. To um, that's not it doesn't really address the root of the problem, which is, uh, you know, actually investing in community, uh, investing in the community to to make sure that the minorities of blacks have can actually access money. Um, it seems like the the white majority have been just hoarding money. Um, sometimes it's like sometimes it, it may seem unintentional, but the practices allow for them to access majority of the you know income or revenue in this country. And because there isn't much access, unless you're a comp- like exceptional, right? Um, there, it's disproportionately affecting the average guy. Because here's the thing: with any group of people, there are exceptional people that have very high potential, and like, and that's I don't know what the percentage, but there's a small percentage, and then there's a huge group of just average folks that can just get the the regular job done. And in I think in all races, there's a a large group of people that can do that. Uh, it, but it just seems like in America that those jobs are reserved for white folks and you know, nothing special. They got maybe B's and C's. Okay. Athlete, 
you know, nothing crazy, but they show up to work, you know, maybe they got one DUI and, uh, you know, they're, they're not violent or getting arrested, but, you know, they have a job, they do their thing, they bring, the, they bring their lunch to work every day and they get the job done. And my argument is there's plenty of, there would be plenty of black counterparts um, to that if they, you know, if they had the similar upbringing. I don't think that, I think that if a lot of the same, that you bring that same person and have them grow up in the hood, they would have a similar result. They would also be fucked up if they didn't have a father and all this stuff and, and, and adequate resources. So basically cops, yeah, I just want to tangent, but cops target poor people because they can't fight them in court. Um, and they can always assign guilt before they even understand the character because, oh, look at this person. They're poor. And because they're poor because they're lazy. And because they're poor and lazy, they deserve this treatment, right? Um, a, a, an ideal in America is you work hard every day and that earns your right to be here. And because you worked hard every day and you show up, that's the true American. And so now with, with you know, a lot of the black counterparts, they don't even get that chance. They, you know, they go to school, they're frustrated. Something's fucked up at home. Mom, you know, he's hungry and he acts out just because he, it's fight or flight for him. And that gets him sent to juvie. And he's not a bad kid, but he's just reacting to his environment. And after he goes to juvie, he gets around bad company. The bad company says they'll protect him, a.k.a. a gang. And it's just this process where it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that the kid will get, will not have an opportunity to, one, ever be a child and experience things and have that innocence, but to um, ever get to hone his skills and be a performing member of our society. And because cops know that he, this kid, even if he's not that bad, but has had some problems, he may have a, a record of doing this behavior. They go for the the poor black kid, the poor Latino, right? And he he his life has been pretty shit. And they throw him in jail. Prisons make money. Prisons are privatized. So if you can if you can rig the system to have a, a group of people and, and, and it's easy to identify them because they're literally darker and have a different hair texture and, and, and look different. It's, it's, it's easy pickets. That's why cops patrol the hood, but don't patrol the suburbs. Kids in the suburbs do the same shit to kids in the hood. There's kids in the suburbs fucking raping girls. There's kids in the suburbs doing drugs. There's kids in the suburbs selling drugs. There's kids in the suburbs abusing their little sisters. All that type of fucked up shit that you hear in the hood happens in the suburbs too. But the difference is there aren't cops around arresting them. And it's not doesn't go on their record and they ended up going through life doing whatever the fuck they want. And so it it, it it's a it's a cop versus money thing, a wealth status thing. But because wealth and race are so intertwined, it be it it is a cop versus black thing because it's easy pickings for them and they can make sure that the prisons are filled and the detentions are filled 
with just confused little boys and girls that never got a chance to ever become their true potential. Because I guess this country doesn't think it's a good investment. And I'm not sure why. So, yeah. Interesting. And, and these are completely different points of views that I haven't heard. And that's the reason I brought you on this, because so that we can all get a new perspective. Yeah. So back to what you were saying about kids in the growing up in the hood or growing up uh, with a broken family of sorts. How would be the best way to combat this? Like, like if we want, and I understand that they're behind due to the fact that they never had, didn't have the earning potential for hundreds of years Mm -hmm. makes sense. But how this is the land of opportunity. It's not equal opportunity, but it's the land of opportunity. Mm -hmm. So how can one, like, can one be sane enough to make it? You know what I mean? Like, how can we prep that? How first? How can the government assist, and then we'll move it over to how can individuals like myself assist in some sort of way? The, well, so an interesting statistic. I don't know the numbers, but black fathers are are that are in the household are very involved, more so than their white counterpart. The problem is there's not many of them. With regards to how we could fix that. I actually wrote my college paper on this. Uh, I, so it, 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 it's going to be, honestly, I said the only way this is going to be fixed is through love. And this sounds weird, but like literally everyone having a half black cousin. So I, I like to bring up the example of, of gay. It, it's not of being gay. It's not the same because gay is a sexual orientation and it doesn't have a physical indicator. Right. If you're born gay, there's no like mark. Right. It's no, there's no color associated with being gay. But what did happen is they were. The, the gay elite. Pushed for basically acceptance on a broad spectrum. And what that meant is anyone else that was gay that was hiding it, because 50 years ago, if you were gay, Everyone was closeted gay, essentially. Now, if you're gay, you go out and say it, even if you're 10 years old and barely even know if you're gay, or maybe you know if you're gay, but whatever. Even if you're fucking, like, a kid and you're gay, it's cool, and people will support you, right? Uh, And that's a whole other conversation. I'm from Jamaica, where it's very frowned upon. It's very conservative in Jamaica with that. Uh, And... also, you know, my mom wasn't. My mom was very pro-gay, as in she said, "Mikhail, there's no problem with that." But like my family back home, and my dad is actually pretty pro-gay too. He's he's not really against it, but a lot of people in my family, they're like, you know, being gay is very wrong, right? Uh, so I always had that in the back of my head, and then I went to college. Yale, there's a lot of gay people, and it's very liberal, and. If you're not wearing all your colors, you almost look down upon. If you're, it's, it's it's almost like if you're a straight male there, they assume that you're just not as friendly or open-minded. It's weird, but I had to learn how to be around gay people and operate. And the conclusion is similar to what I said earlier about other races. They're just, I mean, they're just like 
me. I mean, they're human beings, but they're, you know, they, they have the same, they want to be around people that care about them. They want to take care of their families, right? They want to, you know, pursue goals that they set for themselves. They, I, I just never really communicated with them. And I basically realized I had some of the same assumptions. And I self-assessed myself because that would be, I'd be hypocrite to say, oh, this racist is fucked up, but I, but I'm fucked up to this, this gay kid that means no harm, right? Um, so, I, you know, what, in terms of how we could apply that to the black, you know, black people in the race, one of my things was just people understanding like, hey, I have a half black cousin and I know the uncle and he's cool. And then they realize, oh, he's human. And, and then they start, once you start to humanize other human beings, you see that those big differences aren't as glaring, aren't as important. You're spending so much time on something you have no control over, right? Someone else's race. That is, you have absolutely no control, but it, it's, it's defining your mood. That's, to me, that doesn't make sense. So I think, you know, this, this, things will change. And I think this generation, I mean, Generation Z right now, the, they're all on the phones, but they're very informed. They get, they get, a lot of people talk shit about this generation, but I like them because they, they understand like there's a lot of black influencers on social media and they understand they're just people. They, you know, they want to do the same thing. Most of them are just confused little kids, confused little boys in a grown man body. They never got to actually mature. They never got guidance. And once you realize that and you just sit down and listen and, and let, you know, be still with them, that's when our country will, will really move up. Um, I also think a lot of racism is a symptomatic of other problems in the household. Um, there's there's people that never got hugged and never got told that they're they're worthy and and they're lovely and they're beautiful by their own parents, white and black. And and you know on you know poor whites that that have nothing to attach to, no 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 strength in in their character. They're, you know their parents never instilled in them that they're they're going to be good at something. What that happens is they start to resent life as well. But when they resent their life, they hang on to their whiteness. And they, and they, and they start to, they, they believe that that is the, the, the central part of their existence. And so they, they hang on to their whiteness and start to resent others. Because they're pissed off at the world. Because poor white folks that have had it shitty, you know, in trailer parks in you know rural parts of america that ain't got much shit and 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 it sucks their identity is shaped and molded by the fact that there is some strength in the fact that i'm white and it's and then you know adding the fact that the media you know plays that card because they know what poor white people are going to you know attach themselves to and then they all it shows is how black people are, are criminals and are lazy and they doesn't show why they're allowed no criminals are lazy. Yeah, you're gonna end up with people having compl- having all these assumptions on black people that have never really talked to any. <laughs> and and that is the case, especially in the flyover states and around that are in rural areas. And 
So, yeah, man, it's gonna it's gonna take people. It's gonna be take people talking, connecting, and and also edu- self educating on what's happened in this country. How a lot of it has been just dirty money. I forget which president, Reagan or Nixon, they literally injected the crack into the black neighborhoods. That was, I mean, that's literally all on file. It's all facts. Because they can make money off of it. And so they didn't care. Though it's, it's pop. Once, once people start talking to each other, start relating and, and realizing that we're fucking the same race and we have a lot of similarities. Yeah, racism will subside. It's not going to disappear. There's still going to be people that are on the extremes of the spectrum. But the vast majority will understand that we're all, you know, we're, we're all people that just want to live a good life. And then when that, when that shift occurs, then you're going to start seeing white people call out their white, their white uh, cousins and brothers saying, that's fucked up that you're racist. Right. So that's my opinion on it. Great question, bro. Yeah, I absolutely love that because so me and a couple of my friends, I mean, granted, I when all this came out, I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, my God, like some of my best friends are African-American. How can this be that they feel so behind? So I sat there and I contemplated it and I thought about it and I honestly didn't realize that it was such an issue, but that was because I was already humanized to African-Americans and that was because I go and talk to them. So I guess a major to do according to Mikhail and to myself now is that it's very easy and very comfortable to hang around with people you associate with, whether you're African-American, all the African-Americans hang out together, whether you're white, all the white people hang out together. That's easy. I'm asking you and challenging you as the listener to go out and go find someone of a different race and humanize them, whether it's a Jew. Being, being Jewish, I had stuff that I had to deal with. And when I'm finally humanized, that's a good feeling too. And it, people are very open to talking. And like Mikhail said, most people are very, very similar. And that's why it's the utmost importance that we take the time today and take the time tomorrow and this week to go find someone of a different race, talk to them, ask them about how they feel about everything, and really get to know them and find out that we're all fighting the same fight. And that's what it was all about. So, Mikhail, yep. I'd like to ask you about a couple more questions. But relating to this – so. Essentially what happened yesterday on 6-2-2020 was it was called the blackout day. Mm -hmm. And everyone felt that they needed to post this black box on Instagram to pretty much show their support. Yeah, solidarity. Exactly. And a lot of people I know, like some white people I know, felt uncomfortable about that. Not in the regard that they're racist or that they don't support, but it's just, do I feel peer pressure to support? Do I have to support? So now I'm asking you is, what's your opinion on that? Do, do Does social media impact happen or can it be enough that you just handle it as yourself? Because I know a couple of white friends that I've talked to and they were saying that if they're not posting, not supporting, their African-American friends think that they're 
They might be for the other side, whatever that means. Right. So, so where's your stance on that? Because I, I found this fascinating because some people don't care about social media and it's just, where do you stand? What do, what do you think of the whole thing? Now, that's a great question, and I can't speak for white folks. However, from my perspective, with everything that was going on, here's how I saw it. If you could post something else during that time, that means you were definitely online. You were definitely looking. You definitely know what's going on. And I expected that if you were like a close friend of mine, you had to say something, honestly, just because this was an absolute – seeing the video of George Ford was absolutely – it was very triggering. That was at least the words, but I was furious for days. Couldn't work, right? And my my thing is, I the the goal of that was to the goal of that just so everyone knew was so that people would actually take the time and we do black out social media, and it would be so blacked out that you would see. Like in like the, if I'm talking about Instagram or Facebook, you would see in the stories and the other functions, you could research, read up, and actually educate yourself on the black experience based on all the works that have been done and and formulated over the past couple hundred years, right? That was supposed to show you that a lot of people care. A lot of people that aren't even black, but more importantly, social media is blacked out. Use this time to educate yourself. So, like, Jordan, I'm, I'm not sure if you knew that was the purpose, but you like to read. You like to understand. You like to grow. I challenge you to find either a podcast, read a book, or watch a movie so that you can understand the experience and Watch it with, you know, you can be skeptical if you want, but most of all, just listen, just listen to it because we, black people, people have no reason to lie. There's nothing like, here's a funny thing that like, I feel like some people are, are scared of. They think that there's some folks on the, uh, on far, on, on the other side of the spectrum that are very racist, white nationalists that think that black people are really trying to ruin society rule the country and it's so funny and you know this is how i know you they're not that intelligent black people are only 13 percent of the population we can even if we black people just asking like if we could get that 13 percent of the american gdp i don't know what we have now it's probably like one percent or something very small but 13 percent of the population right how could 13 percent of the population possibly control in, in, in a country that was racist right where race is race is centered around everything how could we possibly control a majority of anything we just want to be able to control our shit that's it like the shit that we actually own where we live at we just want to live in peace um of course this is a it's like a melting pot uh it's like a melting pot society with a lot of different races from all over However, the, the, the point is, we just let us live in dignity. Respect us as human beings. You'll, you'll notice that well, black folks are always fucking life of the party. Everyone's always recording some black dude dancing when they go to the bar or any party. 
all that's just going to happen. It's just that, you know, we want to go home and have a, a regular middle-class home too. If we, if we are that talented, right. If, you know, if we, if we qualify the job, we don't want black us being black to be any hindrance in our ability to secure that position. And we've, there's just so many times that you see, that's a case. You hear about this guy that should have been promoted and he didn't because he was black or, and, and, and then on the flip side, they say, Oh, it's cause he wasn't qualified. You look at his qualification. He's overqualified. So, uh, the, the, you know, and for the folks that felt guilty, um, they were feeling guilty because, and, and uncomfortable because they usually don't have to do much. It's usually just black people saying, yo, what the fuck? This sucks. And you can ignore it. And that's, that's called privilege. The fact that you can ignore it, it's called privilege because it's not affecting you. It's not, uh, it's not, a, it's not making your life more difficult in any way. Now, I'm happy they felt uncomfortable uh, because that's some shit I felt my whole life in a lot of different times, but I've had to have self-control and discipline in, in making sure that I'm not looking like a little bitch. First of all, you know, I'm a man, I got standards too. But second of all, you got to be able to control your emotions and be disciplined because people try to take advantage of you. I mean, that's the same thing as not being a bitch, but yeah, I've had, I've been uncomfortable my whole life and you have to adapt. And the funny thing is, and you know this, Jordan, being uncomfortable is where you grow. Exactly. So, um, you know. No, no, I love that response because I, personally me, I didn't realize that it was for informing ourselves and learning more about it, but that's exactly what it was and that's that's why it's awesome. And the comment you made about privilege, privilege is the fact that you never had to make a comment. So usually what was going on is a lot of people were before all of the, I mean, not before, like racism was always an issue, but before one of the pressing issues was always Trump or Democrats or Republicans, blah, 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 blah. So a lot of people stay out of the political news. So that's, so if you don't make a decision there, then you don't make a decision on like, and that's privilege as well because they're not affected by the laws because they're not affected by the laws. They're like, I don't have to watch the news. I'll be honest. I'm a privileged black guy. Uh, it's not, I've worked hard to get here, but I'm in a privileged position now where I make a lot of money for my age and I have a good living situation. And frankly, I don't need to watch the news. But when you're when you're dependent on the government in some way, like you have a family member that could possibly get out five years earlier if a certain law is enacted or something, you're going to watch the news. You're going to care, right? Uh, so that that is like you that growth is understanding. Even in that statement that you just said, there's privilege involved because. People that are affected, like if they're nurses, they, if they nurses probably don't watch the news all the time. But if there is a class action case of medical malpractice, nurses are going to be watching the news. Now, with black people, if we a lot of black folks watch the news because that affects them. There's someone in their family that will be affected by some type of policy, if it's government aid, right, whatever it may be. So uh, 
I had to tell my roommate, he's like, oh, I don't watch the news. And I told him, you should be. This is a very serious time. Mind you, he's 13 years my senior, well-respected. I I basically look to him as a mentor, but he's also my roommate. Great guy. And he's on the other. I mean, I'm, I'll say I'm middle blue. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe getting a little bit more far to more farther left just with this because because I think that may be necessary. Um, but if racism wasn't so obvious in this country, I'd, I'd be more of a moderate. But he's on more on the on the right, and he I mean he he's an understanding guy will listen to things, but he he has a way of simplifying things that kind of that that don't address some of the underlying issues, and because. You know, he his, his job, he's a process, um, what's the word? Autom- automation. He automates the process, yeah. so he makes everything simpler, so that's yeah. what so, he does is his job, so then when he thinks about it. Right, and then he's an engineer, some shit like that. Um, but he, he simplifies processes and shit, and he uses that m- mode of thinking with something as abstract as politics and social and so in social life in America, and it's it's not that quite simplistic. Um, so I had to tell him yesterday that you know you need to watch the news uh, because right now there's a lot of shit happening. Also, there's stuff happening in this city where your property could be affected somehow. I don't know if there's some looters outside. Uh, I mean, I I don't think it's ever gotten to that point, and I don't think it will in Tampa, uh, but. The point being is there is privilege in the fact that you you could ignore the news. Because some people are like, you'll hear somebody say on social media, why is everyone being so negative? That's a very privileged statement. Because you don't lack the awareness to understand that they're being negative because they're reacting to something negative that happened to one of their own, first of all. Second of all, your, 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 centered, your reaction is centered around your feelings. Right, your feelings are the most important aspect of what's happening. So, oh, I'm not seeing all positive, nice, fluffy dogs and nice bathing suits. That's what I like. And if I don't see that, then I I can essentially shut it off. Right? There's algorithms on Instagram and Facebook that will keep all those things circulating in front of you because people like to click on things that make them happy. It's it's like I said. I'll, all these companies understand human psychology. And it's funny that people think that, oh, they're really just doing them a favor. Oh, they make things I like. Everything is based on human psychology. If you're going to pump into something billions of dollars of innovation in research and development, you don't think part of that research is understanding how the human element reacts to it? Come on, bro. So it, it, it harps on the worst part of the human psyche. And and that and that is how privilege can continu- continuously rear its head. So yeah, sorry to cut you know cut you off, but I just had to make sure that you understand like the fact that you even can say I don't usually watch the news shows how privileged you are because you don't need to. Yeah, and that that's exactly why Mikhail, I wanted to interview you because. The, the whole point of this is like you earlier, you were like, Jordan, you need to watch some of these shows. You got to watch some of this, bro. This is what people are going to be listening to. This is the perspective changer. Like 
I have so many friends that I have the same conversations with. Yeah. And I knew that if I talked to you, it would be, what the heck is, I never thought about it that way. I never saw it that way. I was, I'm definitely privileged in the regard that I've had those thoughts where I'm like, how can someone be negative? It makes no sense. Like yeah. we, you're just being upset. Like, yeah. yeah. And I mean, this is a great perspective changer and yeah. I absolutely love it. And that's why these podcasts are so beneficial. So I guess now, like w- as far as we said that we can converse with each other, but what else do you think the normal run of the mill person can do to assist in this situation? How can a white privileged male or uh, anyone assist uh, the community in this situation? I'd say it's a three-pronged approach. First thing, educate yourself, read up, and, ju- and, and watch videos. There's tons of content out there on just the black experience, right? And, and, and consume it to understand them. And that may be difficult for you because there's some people that don't have much empathy in this world. A lot of people in this country, you don't need empathy to be a successful member of this society. Um, so if you if you're not a very empathetic person and you always find yourself not being able to understand other people, that's a sign of uh, a lack of empathy. Uh, so I guess a pre-step to the first step would be uh, I don't even know how you teach someone empathy, but I, I, I a lot of people start to a lot of people that don't have a lack of empathy, that a lot of people that have a lack of empathy usually start begin to understand when they have kids. So, um, I'm not sure how you could replicate that. And I'm actually interested in, I'm actually trying to think of something. I don't know if I told you, Jordan, but I want to actually make a course or make some type of app or some type of experience to teach people empathy. Because once you have the empathy to put yourself in another man's shoes, right? In a lot of sales guy, you have to have empathy. A good salespeople have empathy. But uh, if once you develop that, I would say watch and listen and read content on the black experience to see when you see this black guy flipping out, you can understand, oh, shit, he actually just had a lot of bad days. He's had a bad day today and he's had a lot of bad days in the last couple of years. And he's had a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. A lot of black people die from heart attacks and heart system, heart symptoms and things related to stress and anxiety because they're stressed the fuck out. People will say, oh, it's because they're drinking. They smoke a lot. That's the culture. They are drinking and smoking to remedy sadness. A lot of these cats had big brother shot at 14, saw his mom get raped, had a cousin that got brutally beaten by the cops. And then had another niece that died from a lack of medical attention. That's a very possible scenario. I don't, I don't know how many white folks have been through that. Um, but I just, I just challenge you to understand like what's the most, who's the most hopeless, saddest story you've heard from a, a white person that you know. And... I, I promise you there's probably a black person that has 
I mean, I don't know how they felt, but like on paper, you'd be like, damn, this person has had a shittier life. Um, so that's the first step reading. The second step is, you know, going to be the political route. You, you know, here's a funny thing about when Obama was president. I heard all these folks saying how our quality of life is so different since Obama became president. And none of their lives were worse. They were taking vacations when Bush was president. And they're taking vacations when Obama's president. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't look at the numbers, but Trump's taxes and Obama's taxes are around the same. That's always an ar- argument. I'm not 100% behind Obama. It's awesome that he was the first black president. Um, and that was that's awesome for me just in terms of motivating me to do a, a great things in my life. But uh, the point being is a lot of folks don't want to vote in a direction that can progress the country because they think that the alternative is going to take money away from them, take, make their lifestyle change. And every time there's been any of these democratic presidents, I don't think, I mean, after a certain threshold financially, you're not really affected by politics. The only thing that you, that can be affected is your taxes and, and, and big business. Right? So, um, so they always vote on those lines, but I would say the next thing would be to, to vote in, especially locally, because the president is, doesn't really have that much control, but so if you want a Republican, a Republican president or whatever, cool, but locally, I'd say vote for people that are, are, are more progressive because that's where you will, you'll see a positive effect in the black family, the black home, right? There's a lot of these judges and these district attorneys that you know they see a, a young black kid and they just slap a crazy sentence on them and that could could have had some of the most potential out of anybody so understanding you know who you're voting for and then lastly you know throw some money at the cause i mean you're jewish jordan and you know that germany is very embarrassed about the holocaust and they paid Jews. They were, they gave them reparations, right? Um, and that and that is some type of reconciliation. America's never done like a mass reconciliation ever. They, they during Reconstruction after the Civil War, they claimed they were going to give them forty acres and a mule. I'm not sure if you heard about that concept before, but that was they're they're going to give every man that, right? But every man a man was only a white man. I, I may be misremembering uh, the exact components, but basically every time there's an initiative to help black people in this country, it's very funneled and it's not for the, 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 the majority. It's not a wide array of the members of the race. It's for select few. And then they just make an example of the select few and say, see, it's just because you're lazy. And that's just untrue. It's just untrue. One of the things that's one of the things I realized that uh, we had this these sessions uh, during uh, one of our seasons, our football seasons, and basically guys would come up and talk about their families and someone close to them and their hero. And when they'd speak about them, I bro, it's weird verbatim. Most of and 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 it's funny they don't even realize that this is a fu- like this is a function of how the system works. But most of the white kids, 
it was either dad or their grandpa that was their hero and they always said he worked really hard and x and i always in my head when i said that i was like bro like everybody's motherfucking grandpas in this bitch worked hard trust me <laughs> trust me like my grandpa busted his ass he was a lawyer in trinidad and tobago um one of the first black lawyers actually off the island he was fucking awesome he's just a shitty ass fucking father and he's gonna die a broke man so he's a fucking idiot anyway uh uh but yeah that he worked hard so that that you know understanding how their hero is literally their dad or their grandpa those just show you that they've had the chance to establish a culture of success and hard work to where your immediate the 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 sperm donor that created you is your fucking hero means that there's there's a good hit rate of this system working for you and people don't even recognize that it's funny they they, they think that they they are bamboozled into thinking it's all they're doing and there's no other forces at work um and i know that's a big central part that of a lot conservatism is that we all essentially have the same opportunity to generate wealth and it's a lot on personal responsibility and i really believe in personal responsibility but there's some forces at work that fuck some people over that had a lot of potential so i mean lastly i'd say throw money at the cause because there's been some folks that have benefited from this country and i think it's all they're doing they don't understand how interdependent the society is you need someone to build the roads that you can drive on to go to work. So you didn't fucking do that. You need someone to be a specialist in the medical field to help your little lingering health problem so that you can perform in whatever field you're going into. You didn't fucking do that. That wasn't because of you, right? That You, you weren't the reason that there was someone able to do that because there's a system and there's society behind it that operate operates a certain way. So understanding that I, I did that all, all that because there's going to be all these rebuttals, all these objections to, well, why should I spend my money? And that's not fair that, you know, I only have one life to live and spend my money on, on these people that I don't even know. Well, you know, this country, America became wealthy because there was folks, tons of folks in the 1800s, 1900s, getting bamboozled out of money, representation, true identity in the country while people were stacking up bread. And, you know, if, if reparations aren't going to be a thing, you know, donate to the cause. People, some people put the $50 weekly in savings. If you really care about this country as a whole and really want the cream to rise to the top and have all folks the ability because here's my thing. I'm a competitive dude. I don't like to win, cheat to win. And it seems like there's these folks that talk about free market economy. Don't, don't have the government mess with it. But yet they support policies that only have a fraction of the people competing for the top jobs. You know how many talented Hispanics there are? Do you know how many talented blacks are? I, I feel like black people are naturally salesmen because you have to be able to sell yourself in the black community. That's like very valuable. 
you gotta have a personality and you gotta stick by it in the black community. That's why the black kids, there's always a popular black kid in school. Always. Because he's a fucking politician. He knows how to sell himself. Because in the black community, that is very valuable. You better have something behind you. There better be a person behind that. You better live, laugh, and love for real. Or else you're going you're gonna to get fucking pointed out and they're going to roast your ass. <laughs> they're going to make fun of your ass. You're like, bitch, your weird ass. <laughs> whack ass shoes. I had whack ass shoes, but guess what? I was smart as shit and I was fucking athletic. So I'll be like, oh yeah, you struggling reading back when you get inside, buddy. So, <laughs> but anyway, just to recap, yeah, first thing is um, educate yourself. So t- touching on the educate yourself, because you, you mentioned that and I just wanted to touch on it. Do you have something to recommend, like a video or a book or somewhere that someone should go or should they reach out to you or what what do you they should there's tons of sources online i mean if you go on ig right now and if it and there's probably someone you know that has here's a reading here's i mean the 13th is something on netflix that just shows the the uh like hood or something like something the prison pipeline it's it's like a it's like an industrial complex like it's it's a well well machine that like you you wonder how why these judges are always giving out these crazy sentences because they're making money it's privatized uh, so I'd suggest watch that I'd so also, check out the thirteenth yeah I'd also suggest uh, I mean really there is tons of I mean you could search it right now black you know black history reading list literally black history movie list it, it's not hard to find. The internet is, I mean, there's no censoring. This is America, so you can you can go find that shit. But I, I'm not, you know, I'm not super super familiar. I, I mean, I read a lot of sh- that shit, but in college, I forgot. I mean, I forgot a lot of it, but it echoed a lot of the shit that I've experienced myself and also seen. I'm not, you know, if if you're very into this and you want to actually get into protesting and and uh, social justice. You know, there there are tons of people and they're very open. And here's the thing, too. If you're white and you don't feel and you feel like an outcast, bro, black folks will always open their arms to you. That's the funny thing. Uh, You know, you may be a little bit different. Sometimes black people will tease you or roast you. But that's a that's an uh, that's affection in our in our community that that lets us know that. You know, we're going to bust your balls because, you know, that's life. And you should laugh about, you should just laugh about yourself and, and your experiences and have fun with it. Because, it, you know, you only have one life and usually you, you overthink things and think it's such a big deal and you're self-conscious about shit that people don't really give a fuck about. So, yeah, don't, you know, oh, the, there, there's, there's lots of resources um, and, you know, literally just Google it and you can find tons of shit and, you know, take some time on a Saturday afternoon, read a little bit and then go fucking party, you know, have a good time and respect folks. Yeah, actually, um, I posted something today and one of my, uh, buddies wrote up this. He said, read the works of activists and important black figures such as MLK, Malcolm X, Angela Davis, Webb Dubois, and Fred Hamilton mm-hmm. and others. Shout out to Bryce. Um, so those are just a couple. And then like, like Mikhail was saying, first we want to educate, first we got to have our empathy. 
Then we're going to educate. Then we're going to try to make political change. And lastly, we're going to donate. Donate money for the work that has been completed and the work that has been done and the grounds that have been placed for you to walk on the stairs that you have today. So, Mikhail, I ask you, do you have any final thoughts slash conclusions that you want to leave with anyone? Because, I mean, this has been absolutely amazing. But just anything else you want to leave? One last comment. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I really appreciate you coming to ask me these questions. You know, having a plan, really taking this seriously. Secondly, yo, I don't know if you believe in karma, but I do. And I'll tell you something that I notice in a lot of white America. And I am very good with emotions. There's a lot of sad, depressed Americans that are white. I mean, the opioid crisis is exposing all of that. But as in there, there's this facade that's understood that everything, the grass is green on the other side and everything's going well. And I'm so happy. And then you find out the girl has a depression problem and she's popping pills. Or you find out this, this dude is, you know, he's literally an alcoholic and he's running away from his problems. As in y'all have got problems too. And the quickest way to feel good about yourself is to genuinely give to another. And that's been held true and true. That is a, a, a fact of being a human being. And you, a lot of Americans have been programmed to think that if you give to someone that needs help or someone that is less worthy, right? And, uh, and if you give without a, an actual return expected, if there's no return on investment of giving your time, energy or money that that you're you're wasting it i think that's completely untrue and once the masses realize that not just in some corny american bullshit way like we're all in this together but you only get one meal today and my kids get three but in like truly like yo i understand that my folks have been making money and off the backs of other people and that's how I've had this life today. Once folks realize that, you're going to see a, a, a huge rise in overall quality of life in this country. It's going to be better for everybody if we get over this stupid, unintelligent hurdle that is, you know, America really has the most money. And there's a lot of potential. But we do stupid shit to feed the worst parts of our psyches. People on both sides can understand that. So once you realize that, you'll see, hey, maybe I should do this. And you could make a lifestyle change that will really, not in a corny way, but really change the future for our children and everyone that comes here after we leave and we're gone toward the next phase of our existence. Uh, that was awesome. Mikhail, my man. Thanks, Thank my brother. I loved it. Um yeah, so if you want to hear more about Mikhail, I'll drop his information on there. But anything, he what it is is be the change you want to see and words have meaning and actions have meaning. So like Mikhail mentioned earlier, go talk to someone of a different race. Understand who they are. Get to, get to walk, get a day in their shoes and really make the change. 
So thank you. I hope you guys all enjoyed this, and it was very informative. Mikhail Reese, thank you, bud. Locked in. We're out. With Hollywood code, I'm with Marley G, bro. Flying Holly Grow chicks to my Hollywood shows. And I wanna tell you something that you probably should know. This that slum dog millionaire Bollywood flowing up. Uh, my real friends never hear it from me. Fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me. That's why I pick and choose. I don't get shit confused. I got a small circle. I'm not with different crews. We walk the same path, but got on different shoes. Live in the Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.